goddamn COVID, why can't I just go to see a concert, live music show thing, please? So, because of, well, I'm sure you can probably guess... I haven't been able to see Oh Wonder. This was supposed to be a podcast about my first live concert back since COVID and all the lockdowns. And yet again, I could not go. <sighs> Alright, so, instead, this is, I'm actually going to be replacing it with a very important podcast. So, you know, this has actually worked out okay. I will get to see Oh Wonder at some point. However, this specifically is going to be going up on the 1st of May. And I have tickets to go and see The Deer Hunter on the 3rd of May. I am feeling much better about the chances of going to see that. So, the next podcast will be about the live concert of The Deer Hunter. It'll be the third time, I think, that I've gone to see them. So, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, um, that is going to go ahead. However, today, I'm going to be talking about something that men do not talk about. And that is mental health. Now, men really do not talk about mental health. And I'm one of them. I, I never talk about it. Especially, um, you know, I'm not going to be going into detail today. As part of that thing, it's just, I don't know, it's very uncomfortable to talk about. You know, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's all this kind of stuff. But I am going to talk about some of it today. And the main reason is because I'm going to be talking about David Gray. Now, I have tickets to go and see David Gray at the end of May. It is a, a concert that's going to celebrate 20 years of White Ladder, I believe it was. However, it's not the 20th year anymore. I think it's the 22nd at this point. However, it was one of those things. If anything, this concert is probably the longest I've waited because this was due to be on March 2020. I believe, and that was when the first lockdown kicked in. So we were literally weeks away from seeing this concert when the very first lockdown happened, and we're finally going to be going to see it. However, um, David Gray has announced that that concert, or that tour specifically, they're going to do a selection of greatest hits, and then the whole of White Ladder in its entirety. And I don't think there is one single album out there that means more to me than that one album. Um, it's, it's, it means so much. It really does. And um, I'm going to be explaining why. But I'm also going to be talking about the other times that I've seen him live. Because I've seen him live a few times. So I think what I'm going to do is I want to talk about 
the concerts first, the times that I've seen him, and then I think it makes sense to me to be able to then build up to talk about White Ladder and everything about that, and why I'm looking forward to this concert so much. So, the very first concert I have already mentioned once, essentially, I couldn't go. It was very early on. I honestly can't even tell you what the um, the dates were because I don't have the, I didn't have the tickets. Because what I ended up doing was I got incredibly ill, really badly ill. It was like the cold hit me as hard as it physically could, knowing that that meant I wouldn't be able to move, let alone go to this concert. So what I did was I gave the tickets to my sister and my brother-in-law and they both went and by all accounts they had a good time and what they did was they actually got me a um, like a coffee cup from that concert and what I do in my tour drawer because obviously the, all of the little bits and pieces tend to be harder to keep track of so what I do is all like the pics and the and any kind of small memorabilia that I have, buttons or patches or that kind of thing, they all go in my David Gray coffee cup so that everything is kind of in order. It really comes in handy. It's a shame I didn't get to see that concert, but I knew I would. So I knew it wasn't that big of a deal that I didn't technically go to that one. The first one I did go to see was actually Brixton. It was on the 15th of December, 2005. So it was really quite early on. And it was actually... um, This is... I don't know. It was one of the first concerts that wasn't just like a standard rock concert, I I think. I think up to this point, because 2005... Um, my first four concerts were quite big, and then I didn't really do any uh, because of uni and such until we'll be getting back to uni, don't you worry, um, until about 2003. And I think up to this point, it had all been pretty much rock concerts. So we had this mindset of, of kind of how they work and where we stand, where we queue, all of this kind of stuff. So, my brother was actually starting to come with me at this point as well. And this was actually a reverse of the very standard of me and him. Because I couldn't actually book the day off work. So, we agreed that he would go to Brixton and that I would join him after work. I'd be able to get there about an hour before the doors opened... And um, and then, you know, he would already be in the queue, and it'd be great. There wouldn't be any problems. He agreed he'd get there, I would have said about one, maybe two-ish. With the average doors opening about six, and that kind of thing. So, I went to work, and I just believed that he would be there. And then um, I got uh, a message from him, I believe. Basically saying, I'm here, no one else here. 
And I was like, oh, cool. That's good. Because that means we're, you know, we're going to be at the front. That's fantastic. We also had been to Brixton at least once or twice by this time. A few times, actually, I think. Um, and um, we knew that there was like a Nando's directly across the road. So what we did was we would go in and get a few of the Nando's takeaway orders um, just for something to eat. There was also a bar or a pub that really hated the fact that it was parked next to uh, Brixton because everyone would try and go in there to use their toilet and uh, pretty quickly it was only one or two concerts it was available because after that they put a sign up it might have been around this concert to be honest they actually put a sign on the door um, that said you cannot use the toilet unless you have purchased something so people were having to go in like buy a coke or a bag of crisps or something just to use their toilet it felt incredibly petty to be honest but you know i mean in their point of view i suppose if people weren't keeping the toilets clean then that's a different issue in itself if we're being honest but you know i think in the end i've <laughs> and i don't know how probably just through normal you know just from the way that we go to concerts and things, but I've pretty got it down pat now where I go to the toilet as I leave the house and then I don't need to go for the rest of the time. So I try not to drink too much anyway. Um, and, then I and then I'm fine while I'm out. And that, that tends to be fine for me. But yeah, my brother was first and he said, you know, he's going to sit down, put his headphones on and just listen to music for a few hours. And then I join him. So that was the plan. And that was what he did. I feel like, knowing my hours, I probably would have been able to have met him at four. I would have thought. And with that in mind, that meant there would have been like two hours of him on his own. And this was uh, specifically because he texted me in the middle of it. So it would have been about an hour in. And just said, like... No one else, no one here yet. There's been one or two people that look like they might be, but they just saw there was no queue and wandered off. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I've got, you know, almost there kind of thing. So I left and I made my way to Brixton and I came out of the station, uh, walked past the normal way. And then as I approached the, uh, the venue, I noticed that my brother was still the only one outside. <laughs> And I walked up and he was like, I'm the only one here still. I could have arrived with you and we still would be in the same place that we will be now. And I was kind of like, but, but that's, that's not what, that's not how it works. Um, and when the, about half an hour before the doors opened, the queue appeared. And it was because David Gray is in no way rock. He has a much maturer audience than every concert that we'd been to up to now. And most maturer audiences have a job. They have a life. They're not going to come and queue up all day. So they all just turned up half an hour before the doors opened. 
And uh, I felt really bad. However, there had been so many times that I had actually queued up all day so that he could have gone to work and then meet me at the venue. So I didn't feel that bad. But we got in and it was a very different feel because, again, it was a much older audience. So there wasn't obviously any like mosh pitting. There wasn't any... But it wasn't really any pushing. It was just people standing and just enjoying the music. And honest to God, I've seen a lot of people. And I think some people definitely have better voices live. Some people don't. And I don't know whether it's necessarily their voices or whether it's the audio, because I know sometimes the audio is terribly set up. But there are some people that are just, they're kind of, the voices are like amplified, just how good they are when you see them live. Um, Silverchair was definitely one of those, the first time anyway. And uh, Three Doors Down is also one that I think his voice is so good live. And this is now very much, I would have to say, honest to God, the best vocal that I think I've ever heard. His voice is just unbelievable. And it just completely reverberated around Brixton. You know, I got to hear a handful of songs from White Ladder and a bunch from some of the other songs. I got to hear Shine, which, as much as I wish I could pretend that I knew before White Ladder, I didn't. And I'll go into that eventually. But, you know, it was one of those things that, yeah... He was just so good. And the thing is, just the kind of how good his voice is became so much more apparent at the second concert. Because, you see, it was a while until I saw him next. For no real reason. I feel like I might have missed some concerts here or there. And um, I feel like there might have been one or two albums that I enjoyed, but I didn't necessarily want to go to see live as much as I did some of his older ones. However, the next time I was able to go see him was 2014. So we're talking almost 10 years later. And by that time, he did have another two albums. Not including the one that he was touring for in 2014. So maybe that was it. Maybe it was just he didn't really release that much. So he didn't. I didn't see the tour as much, possibly. That would make more sense, to be honest. As I'm, I'm talking it through with you, and it's kind of in my head, you know. It feels like that would have made more sense. But I knew that he was going to tour. And I hadn't seen him for a while, and I really wanted to go see him. And he announced he was going to be at the Emmanuel Centre in London. I've never heard of it, but that happens quite a lot. Especially since the Astoria closed down, that was the number one concert for everyone. 
And um, people were now going to different places. A big example of that is the Deer Hunter in a few days from this release is actually going to be at the Oslo in London. I've never heard of it. It's in Hackney, by all accounts. It's quite close to me. So that's quite handy. But um, this was going to be at the Emmanuel Centre. And when I looked it up, I found that it was right next door to Westminster Abbey. So I was like, okay, cool. Looked up the venue a bit. And honestly, it looked more like a concert hall. And in, in the very sense of, if you imagine like when a, a traditional concert hall with a, like a small building with a stage and some seating, not a massive amount. And I was thinking, this looks a lot smaller than anywhere he could probably go, to be honest. I'm not 100% sure, you know, how this is going to go. You know, I had to really... I remember having to fight to get tickets, and they were quite expensive. I had to kind of get them... They went... They, they like, released at 9 on a Friday, and I had to be there at 9 on that Friday to get tickets... And the seats we had were quite far back, um, even then, even though I was really quite quickly trying to get them. But, you know, I was excited, and I think I was more excited for this. Because in in some element, it was going to be a smaller concert, because it was a smaller venue than even Brixton was. Plus, because it's seated, there's a much, much smaller audience you see, the thing that I hadn't accounted for was, uh, it's one of those things where the Emmanuel Centre is a genuine, like a concert hall where orchestras will go. And it's it's designed in such a way that the acoustics are the best that they can make them. It's like a round venue with a really good, just amazing acoustic setup. And his voice was unbelievable. And honest to God, it made it made me fall in love with a song that I really didn't like up until that point. And it's on White Ladder. It was one of those, it was genuinely one of those things that, he said that, you know, because of the amount of different albums that had been out at that point, he said he was going to do, you know, a few here, a few there, try some of his favourites, some that people may not have heard of, I'm pretty sure he would have done. And he said, you know, this, I'm actually going to perform uh, the song. It is the first single off of White Ladder. A lot of people loved Babylon, but this was actually the first single. And it's called Please Forgive Me. And I genuinely went, oh, okay, fine. I'll put up with it because it's him. It'll just, it'll be all right. By the end of the concert, that was by far the best song he did that night. The music was so atmospheric. It was, it was like nothing, it was 
just everything about that song on that day. Sorry, I haven't actually said the date either. It was it was the seventh of February, twenty fourteen. Um, I know I'd said twenty fourteen, but I hadn't said it was like whenever. But yeah, it was the seventh of February, and yeah, everything about "Please Forgive Me" at the Emmanuel Center was just unbelievable. It truly was. It was like just the arrangement and the acoustics worked so well together that it became one of my favourite songs on that album. It genuinely did. And beforehand, honestly, I wasn't that big of a fan. And I'm not even sure why now. I couldn't even tell you why now. Now, I have checked. And if you search for David Gray, Emmanuel Centre, there are free recordings that someone has made at that gig. Now, none of them are Please Forgive Me, but... You know, you get a very, listen to Shine. You get a, it, that's one of the recordings, and it just highlights how amazing just the acoustics are in that concert. And, um, and yeah, it's, it was, it was so good. And I honestly believed that it would probably be the best time that I would get to see him. However, he is going to be at the O2. And let's be honest, we already know that the O2 is designed for acoustics. That's what it is. It's just a giant dome. That's what it is. <laughs> However, let's start this from the beginning. So, I managed to get into university. I'm going to be honest, um, you know, this is, if I'm being honest, this is a story I've never told anyone. No one knows this. So, you know, don't go around telling everyone about this. But, you know, I got into university and I was genuinely surprised because I consider myself a very smart person, but a very lazy person. And if we're being honest, I just didn't want to do the work. So a lot of the time, I simply didn't do the coursework and I didn't do very well. Which meant that I just failed or got very low in my uh, GCSEs and my A-levels. However, I still got into Luton University studying robotics. Because it was essentially, it sounds like a fancy title... But it is essentially computer programming and electronic engineering. So I turned up and my parents were there, my sister and my brother. And they, you know, they all dropped me off and they, sh I showed them to my room. And, you know, we got to see where it was I was going to be staying. And it was all great fun and lovely. And then they left. And I was on my own. And it was honestly the first time I'd ever been just on my own. It was quite a distance as well. So I couldn't just kind of pop and see anyone. Everyone I'd gone to school with um, was, was somewhere else. So I literally was completely starting from scratch. Knew no one. I, I'm not a very talkative person. So I can't stand just... 
you know, walking up and meeting new people. That's really not me. And for the first time, I genuinely felt alone. But I got to meet the people that were in my dorm. And I slowly, you know, I made friends, you know, within the first few days. And one of them, one of these new friends I had, was amazed. Because I am a gadget person. I always do what I can to try and have gadgets. And at that time... I was very big on mini discs and I had a mini disc player as part of my hi-fi. It was separates that I had purchased all individually and I was getting them all working together. And I loved mini discs because with CDs, you can burn and rip CDs and they're fine. With cassettes, you can do the same. But with mini discs, you can actually set individual tracks and name them. So you can skip between the tracks and things. And you oh, try and do that with like CDs and things is a hassle. Whereas with mini discs, it, it was so much easier to do. So I had recently just been going crazy making my own playlists and things with mini discs. And this woman, she also had a mini disc player. Hers was a portable. And she had been given a handful of mini discs from her brother to, to have with her. And she said to me, the thing is, if I'm being completely honest, there are two that I just don't like and I'm never going to listen to. Do you want them? I can't think of any. I was just going to throw them away. So I said, I mean, yeah, go on then. If you're literally just going to throw them away, I'll give them, a, I'll have them. I love, you know, I just love music. Who, who and whatever they are, I'll take them. Now, the first one was Pink. I think it was Misunderstood. It was her first album, I believe. It was when she was doing much more R&B music. And, you know, I know I say I listen to all types of music. R&B isn't 100% my style of music. But I do listen to it. And there are some people, especially back then, that I was huge into. So for me, I was like, you know, I don't know who she is. But I'm enjoying some of this stuff. So I'm happy to have this. Not a problem. The other one was David Gray. Now, it was the White Ladder album. It had been released recently. Which shows you how long ago it was that I was at university. However, I didn't actually like him. The first single, you see, I used to watch a show. Oh, I couldn't tell you what it was called. Maybe, maybe was it the Ozone? Something like that. And basically, they would have new people on who would be performing their new stuff. And, you know, some of it I liked, some of it I didn't. Um... I felt when they had the Benaki ladies on there, they didn't do them justice, I don't think, because I was a huge fan before they were on there, and then I felt like they didn't really do them justice. But I discovered a few bands through this TV show, and things and things along those lines. So I had heard, please forgive me, and I've already said, I didn't like it. I, I don't know, maybe it was like a, a remix version of Please Forgive Me, 
So it was more dance track. And as much as I love some dance tracks, I feel like, I don't know, there was some that I really wasn't a fan of. And this just felt like it was reaching, like it was trying to be a dance track, but it didn't make it. So, I don't know. I I, I really couldn't tell you. But I really didn't like it. And then he did Babylon, and it exploded. But I wasn't a fan. If I'm and and again, it's weird because there are other artists that I have listened to that do very similar style of music to David Gray. So I don't know why. I just I I don't know. Maybe whatever the reason was behind me not liking, please forgive me. I just carried across with me to Babylon. I really wasn't a fan. And I just thought, oh, great, that man. Okay, well, I'll just put it down and I won't listen to it. But I'll keep it because it's music. And I'm not going to throw away music. I'd rather keep it than not. So honestly, for the first few weeks, I didn't even listen to it. I was listening to Pink more than I was listening to White Ladder. I genuinely was. And let me tell you, that was a good investment because, um, yes, I very much have been listening to Pink since the beginning. Thanks to that woman giving me that mini disc. <laughs> I tell you, because she's great. She's absolutely fantastic. And by all accounts, incredible live. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to see her. But essentially, like I said, I'm not going to go into detail. I'm really not. Because I don't think I could go into detail. Um, it's, it's just too hard. I couldn't, unless you were a therapist. And even then, you know, I've seen I've seen therapists, but I'm not. I haven't spoken about this. Essentially, uni was one of the worst places, one of the worst times in my life, for many different reasons. My friend choice, my. Uh, my course choice, because what happened with the course specifically, was I actually passed in flying colours. I finished, and I've always loved to tell this story. I finished my, my, my big three hour exam, the big end of year exam, in half an hour. And I got the highest score in the whole, in the whole of the group. However... Back then, if you do a little Google search, you'll find that around 2000, 2001, there was a big change in the way universities were allowed to um, have people in to their courses. From what it was, the way it was told to me was essentially there was every university was given an extra 5% leeway on the amount of people they were allowed to have at their university. But what that meant was the bigger universities took in an extra 5%. But that 5% is much bigger than the smaller universities' 5%. So the smaller universities lost less, more than 5% people more like 10 to 15% of people. And because they, they under hit their targets, their funding was 
stripped completely. And that meant they had to close a whole bunch of courses down. A friend of mine went to a, a electronic engineering course in a different university. His course was also completely shut down, just cut off. That was it. It was gone. There were marches all over the UK. Uh, I remember it was crazy. And just one day I just got told, oh yeah, by the way, we're really sorry, but from next year, your course doesn't exist. If you want to, you can talk to other universities about transferring your points across. However, when I tried to get in touch with any universities, any course that would have been suitable had been closed down. Because they were all kind of axing the same kind of courses. So I'd, I'd racked up debt, a uh, student debt, and I'd spent like a year really working hard and doing incredibly well. I genuinely was enjoying it and was doing really well. And the course was just over. And there was nowhere I could go to carry it on. And there was nothing I could do. Um, the thing I'm not going to talk about was my friend choice. There's just things, have, things happened. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to go into the details. But essentially, I got... I would say about seven months in to this just disaster of a time. And I just wanted to end it. Everything. I just wanted to kill myself. I just wanted to stop it. I couldn't see what I was going to do. I couldn't see how I was going to get out. Um, I could, You know, I just... I just I just couldn't see why I would want to get out. That was that was it I think. I th I just at that point in my in in my life I just I didn't see what the point was anymore. It was like you know go home start again start what again? What am I doing now? What what do I do from here? I had no support as much as I could. I know my family, you know. They would come up and see me every now and then and I would go back to them whenever I could but you know that that kind of support is not the same as every day in the same place where it's all just spiraling out of control you know and I would honestly every night I would sit in my room with my lights turned off sitting upright in my bed with like my my, like my legs are out straight and my back was against the wall and the only thing that would be playing so I'd be sitting up you know the only thing that would be playing was um, White Ladder and I did some research into David Gray and I had found out that he had done some other albums in the past it turned out that he, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm right in quoting this, even though I can't give you the exact quote. I'm pretty sure I have read somewhere that basically this was the last, this was, basically this was his last attempt at making music. Previously, it really hadn't gone so well that he had come up with the idea that this was the last album uh, that he wrote it in his home studio, I think this, it was. 
and he decided this was it. I'm going to release this album and hope that it goes well. And if it doesn't, then that's it. I'm not trying anymore. That This is going to be the end. And it was literally his biggest success. But that so many songs on that album resonated with me. It's such a... I, I don't want to say dark and upset anyone. But it is a, it's a very, very dark album. I mean, there's, you know, one of my favourite songs which genuinely kept me alive was Night Blindness. And it's what we're going to do when the money runs out. And, you know, the, the, the song is basically singing about what do we do when there's nothing left you know, there's there's so much of that album that was just me. It was how I was feeling. It was what I was going through. And I genuinely felt at that point that this is a big album. This is a huge star now. And he's gone through exactly what I've gone through. Because you, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't be able to write this if you haven't been there. So maybe I'll just I just well, maybe I won't do it today then maybe I'll I'll put it off and we'll we'll see how tomorrow goes and hope that it gets better. Um it kind of did. But I mean honest to god, you know, White Ladder the album is the only reason I'm still alive. Genuinely honestly, it kept me alive. And I'll I'll never be able to tell him just how grateful I am for that. It's 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 a big it's a big deal, you know, and it means so much. I know, and even this this whole masculinity thing about you know men don't talk about feelings and things, even showing feelings, and it's it sounds stupid, but I went to see Wicked. I mentioned it. I did go to see Wicked. It's Wicked. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make fun. And it was genuinely a fantastic show. It was as good as I thought it would be. And when Elphaba is singing Defying Gravity, I was genuinely crying because it's such a good song and it's so poignant in its in its timing. She's just so misunderstood and I did everything I could to not show that I was crying. Even though everyone else around me was. I just couldn't. I could not. It's like, it's it's this thing, you know. It's just kind of ingrained in men that, you know, you don't show emotion. But I, I don't know how I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm almost in tears now just thinking of hearing this concert. But... Just when he sings White Ladder from from beginning to end, I'm gonna be in tears. I'm gonna be in tears. Specifically, the last song. Now, if you've never heard White Ladder and you've never heard David Gray, who the hell are you? Because you must have heard of David Gray. He's been around for so long. He's had hits throughout the years. However. 
the last song on White Ladder. I didn't even know. Oh, and actually, I've got a bone to pick as well. But we'll go into the bone in a minute. I didn't know for the longest time that Say Hello, Wave Goodbye was a cover. I didn't know this. For a long time, I didn't know this. I just assumed it was one of his songs until I just heard it on an oldies type station. And I was like, oh, my God, I had no clue that this was a cover. That's it's crazy to me to know these these things. It's crazy for me to know these things after the fact. It really is. But no, yeah, if, if you ever go and uh, if you want to listen to David Gray, if you want to know the songs that I would listen to, just listen to White Ladder, beginning to end. Um, but if you know, if you haven't got the time, then please forgive me. Night blindness, and then say hello, wave goodbye. Those those three songs are songs that I think I probably listen to every single day. I feel like it doesn't matter what the playlist is. Either Night Blindness or Say Hello Wave Goodbye is on it. Those two songs are unbelievable for me. And I always listen to them. So go and listen to those songs. Um, and, and then listen to everything he's done. He's, he's, he's got so many hits that you couldn't, you, you couldn't get through them all. It's just a crazy amount of songs. But the bone I want to pick is I had the mini disc that was given to me. So I didn't need to buy the White Ladder album straight away because I already had it. What I did was I bought A New Day at Midnight, Life in Slow Motion, Draw the Line. I bought all the albums, but it was not a massive amount of time, but it was a fair while after I actually bought the the CD. Now, this has never come up before, really, but I was playing the album, and it was you know I I already knew all the songs, and I was enjoying it, and I was enjoying it. However, there was a there was a, a an old CD player that I had, and for for, for some reason one day. I just decided I'm gonna play. I'm just I'm gonna play it on here. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe my main CD player wasn't working or something. I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe I wanted to test to see if the CD player worked, perhaps. But I put White Ladder in and I pushed play, and it played a song I'd never heard up to that point. I could not work out what was going on. I thought it was broken. I thought I put the wrong CD in or something. I could not work out what what had happened. Really didn't know. What I have since found out is that there is a pre-gap track. Track zero, essentially. And it is called Through to Myself. But it only plays on CD players that can access like the the pre-gap moments. They're like 
they're like spaces between the tracks. And sometimes some people will put things in bet- in between these gaps so that if you have a specific player, you'll get little bonus bits and pieces. I've never heard of it before, and I haven't heard of it since because CDs aren't really a thing nowadays. But I couldn't believe it. I was blown away that there was this whole other track on the CD that I had never heard of. And it was, at that point, one of the most listened to albums of from me, from en- from anyone. And I mean, even now, I feel like I've only ever heard that single once or twice. After that, after, you know, the one time I heard it on that player. Just because it's not something I think of that much. And when I listen to David Gray, you do, you, you do not get that song. It's It's crazy that there was just a hidden song that most people simply don't know about, yet they own the album. It's on there, people. I swear to you, it's there. But yeah, I will be seeing him at the end of the month. And, you know, this is this is a thank you. This genuinely is a thank you. He honestly just kept me alive. And I, I, I don't know that I, I'm ever going to be able to, you know, thank him or repay the debt, so to speak, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very serious subject, but it's something that I, I came out through and, you know, and I feel like I have a, a playlist and it's a playlist, honestly, for when I am probably at my lowest, when something really goes bad or when I'm just really not in a good frame of mind, I find that this playlist just helps me to calm down, to sleep, to whatever, whatever I want to do. And the playlist only consists of three people. And I think the people that are on that list, they calm me, I think. I know that um, you know, uh, some of them have been through things, and um, David Gray is one of those people that are on that list. And I know that whenever you know, whenever it becomes uh, a tough time, I can still turn to him and know that he can help me get through the worst of it. To be honest, so, so yeah, so you know, David, if you if you listen to this. Um, then yeah, I will be at your concert at the O2 and I will be the man in tears from the word go all the way through to say hello, wave goodbye, I think. (laughs) So yeah, this, this was my thank you to David Gray. Next time I will have seen my first live concert in years And that means that I will be doing a review of The Deer Hunter. Live at the Oslo Concert Venue in London. In theory. I think. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that this might help anyone out there who is struggling. And, you know, we all struggle. Everyone does. It's about how you get through it, I think. And I just feel like music can be such a good thing 
are such a good vessel to help you through, you know? So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And um, that's where I'm going to end it. So, uh, thank you very much. And I will look out for you all next time. 